Hello, welcome to Tea Hangs for the Memories. I'm your host, Darren, and today uh, we're going to be talking about Greyhound. I know what you're thinking to yourself. Uh, what is that film? I don't remember that film. And that's for a reason. Uh, it was released on the 10th of July, 2020. Oh, we all remember 2020. That was a great year. It's not like the whole thing blended into one big mush. Um, and it was released to Apple TV+. Plus. Um, it actually forms part of a deal that Tom has made with them where he's doing like some films and some TV stuff. It wasn't made for Apple. They bought it after Sony gave up on trying to get it a cinema release. They were originally going to release it in 2019, which would have meant it would have actually come out between uh, The Post and Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, I think. Um, somewhere somewhere in there. And uh, But instead, they bumped it back to June 2020, which is what it says on all the posters if you look for it. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen because I don't think there were any cinemas open in June 2020, <laughs> so it could not get a cinema release. Uh, and so instead, it went to streaming the first of three films, which I'll be discussing over the next uh, few episodes, that did this. Uh, before, of course, Tom made his triumphant return to cinema with Elvis. And joining me to talk about this today, I have Aaron Black. Hello, Aaron. Hey, how are you? I'm I'm really glad to be here. Happy to talk about Greyhound. Yeah, uh, obviously Tom is getting top billing. His face yes. is taking up the entire poster. Though I I wouldn't it, I wouldn't say the there's nobody else Greyhound? in the film. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny actually because I was looking because oh, you know there's a there's a lot of voice acting mm -hmm. going on in this because we have a lot of ships where people are calling each other. Um, and some like some of those actors, like in particular the uh, the like the U-boat taunter, yes. uh, Grey Wolf, is played by Thomas Critchman, okay. who is a noted actor. He's been in a ton of stuff, um, but he did. He, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, he did the voice for the um, walking suit in uh, Hellboy Two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Help the Golden if, Army. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If you remember in that, there's like a there's like an animated mm, suit mm -hmm. that comes to life. And it has a German voice. Oh yes, yes, um, yes. And I think now he did he did the original voice, and I think he was on st he was actually there doing some of the movement and stuff like within the suit. And then they had uh, Seth MacFarlane. Seth, yeah, yeah, dub his dub his voice doing a German right. accent, which <laughs> yeah. is insane. Um, but yeah, he was also in Blade too. Um, and uh, you know, you know, quite. Uh, I mean, it feels like I shouldn't need to say this, but he was in U five seven one as well uh, as a U boat yes, captain. Yes. So, yeah, he's, you know, he's got U-boat sure. experience. Uh, I, he was also in um, King Kong, um, uh, playing, again, a captain, uh, much like Tom. He seems to be doing, like, the whole captain thing. He's played a, a few Nazis in his Has time. He? Obviously, on, on yeah, he was on the U-boat, uh, but he also, he also played Adolf Eichmann, and he's also played Otto Riener, who was in, uh, he was, you know, stopped the plot, uh, Valkyrie ah, to right. kill, yes. um, you know, to kill Hitler. Uh, he was in the Young Victoria, playing King Leopold of Belgium, um, and uh, yeah, so you know he, he's a lot of German characters uh, on his on his CV. Because he's German. <laughs> uh, he also, obviously, I think um, the thing that people might remember him from the most is playing uh, Baron von Strucker in the uh, Captain mm -hmm. America: Winter Soldier and Avengers: Age of Ultron. He's the guy who was uh, in charge of the twins. Yes as they were called at first. So, in a way, responsible for, you know, um, Scarlet Witch and WandaVision, <laughs> yep. you know, like, you know, 
partially responsible for that. But yeah, he uh, he's a German actor. He's done, you know, a lot of acting. Most recently in 2020, before Greyhound, he was also in like the German TV remake of Das Boot. Okay. Um, and he's also in West Wing, playing a German <laughs> right. character, of course. It's funny because he has he has credits in 2020 of being in a, a, a film called Waiting for Anya, where his his role is literally Nazi corporal. Yeah. So. Well, and then they 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 got rid of him, cast. and Seth MacFarlane came in and and filled in, and that yeah, was it's yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So, but he like I he's he is effectively the you know the kind of the antagonist in this film. Although one might argue Hitler is actually the antagonist, yeah. much like he was in Saving Private Ryan. But yeah, so that you know, there's a there's a few kind of like uh, voices that we get to hear. Um, uh, he, uh, one of whom is also uh, what's his name now? Oh, he's quite. He, I was going to say famous English actor, but I get I mean Dominic Keating. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've watched Star Trek Enterprise, you know who he is. Um, and then there's also Maximilian Osinski, I think, is the voice of Eagle. So he's like the, you know, because they've got Eagle, Harry, and yes. like Dickie. Look, there's these three voices, basically, other than uh, the U-boat captain. Uh, I think eventually we get the voice of the, uh, the when he contacts the Admiralty. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, I don't know that that's anyone yeah. particularly uh, well-known, though. Um, we also have flashbacks to Elizabeth Shue yeah. in a couple of, in like one proper scene and then a few other scenes. I, I think it that. opens. It opens um, with with the two of them together, and then and then we only see her in uh, in flashback. Well, later. It, there's a oh. there's a scene there's a scene, and then right. it flashes right. back to two like eighteen months earlier or whatever it is, and then and then yes. we, we yes. kind of go back in well into the actual thing. So um, two months earlier, so I'm not eighteen. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it makes no that was right. before the yeah. war even began. Um, and we've got a lot of like kind of actors who are playing the various people on the bridge, uh, but I would say the most famous is Stephen Graham. Graham. Yeah, uh, yeah, who's obviously uh, a Liverpoolian actor. Um, I, yes, the the uh, the always welcome, always uh, engaging Stephen Graham, who has made a terrific, uh, terrific career playing in America at least, mostly characters with the heaviest like uh, New York accent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, he was in Gangs of New York and obviously he played Babyface Nelson in Public Enemies, uh, a film which uh, I think he was in. I think he might have been uh, one of the gangsters in um, in uh, the Irish. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and obviously he'd been in, a, a, you know, some of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. I think yes. he like he and guy. I, I first remember seeing him in uh, probably in Snatch. Yes, yeah, he is. He's uh, what's his face? Action star. What's his name? Bald guy. Uh, Jason, Jason Statham's, Statham's sidekick, partner yeah, in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah where yeah. again, he's called Tommy, uh, which is uh, you know a reference to. It's funny because he keeps he keeps being taunted because he keeps trying to buy a gun, and Jason Statham yes. keeps saying, <laughs> "Are you going to fight the Germans?" And <laughs> right. it, it's kind of a reference to the fact that he's called Tommy, which is obviously the name for British soldiers during World War Two. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think over here, like I think most people now would know him for uh, This Is England, uh, the 2006 film, mm. and then there mm-hmm. was like three TV series I think that followed where he played kind of like the same uh, character uh, who was a right wing, basically a Nazi. <laughs> so, yes. I saw. I saw the film. Did not see the uh, the series. I would very much recommend uh, those three TV series. It is. Uh, okay. I mean, like the first two in uh, 2010 and 2011, they were huge hits over here. People went mental for them, and then they kind mm. of rounded it out with the. Uh, this is. They were. All, they were all named for the years. So 86, 88, and 90. Okay. Um, and a big part of of this is England 90 was the 1990 World Cup where um, England went out. I think in the quarterfinals because. I, don't, I can't remember. But I I just remember it being a very emotional moment and they kind of play off that. 
Um, mm. But yeah, so, you know, we haven't got like, that's pretty much it. Apart from, of course, uh, bringing it all back to uh, his his former co-star from Larry Crown. Uh, we have, of course, uh, Chet Hanks um, mm. getting a small role playing playing Bushnell. Um, I can't say I put like, I can't say I was like particularly like, you know, he didn't really stand out or anything. Uh, his role as um, pizza delivery boy in Larry Crane was a little bit more memorable. Um, right. And there is a nice there's a nice role for Rob Morgan, who people might know from Stranger Things. Um, and uh, he and he was also in the, the Marvel Netflix TV series playing Turk Barrett, who I think had the with the barbershop, the owner of the barbershop for uh, Luke Cage. Uh, who mm, got killed. Mm-hmm, Spoiler mm-hmm. alert for season yes. two of Luke Cage, I think. Um, but uh, he he plays like the, the cook. Who keeps trying to feed uh, Tom Hanks throughout the film, and he just won't right. take any of his food. Basically, uh, I believe uh, was that Cleveland. Yes, yeah. And then obviously, yes. you know, something happens to him. We'll discuss it as we get into it. Uh, he's right. also in the film that is about to come out as we record this, but will have come out a couple of weeks ago as people listen to this. Smile, which I've been seeing the trailer for all summer, oh, yes. and has been annoying the hell out of me. I am yes. just, I'm just, I, I want that film to come out just so I don't have to watch that trailer again. Um, yeah. So especially that guy saying you're going to die, and they keep repeating it. I'm, you know, just very, very annoying. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Now it's probably stuck in your head. You're just hearing someone saying you're going to die right. over and over again. <laughs> right. um, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, which was essentially the message from the uh, the German U-boat captain yeah. to uh, Tom Hanks' ship yeah. throughout this exact. Movie. Se- yeah. The- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a, this was a, a surprise a smile prequel. It was yes. Uh, well, I should say of Stephen Graham as well. He is also going to be in coming out later this year, Matilda, the musical based on the film and book Matilda, um, where yes. he will be playing the father, taking over the role from Danny DeVito. Um, and obviously, he was also recently in Venom: Let There Be Carnage. Uh, if people saw yes. that, playing the police officer. You know, one. I, I just want to mention having having looked a little bit on on uh, Wikipedia. Yes. Um, for for some research. Uh, it, this wouldn't have even come up, and except that you said Matilda, because uh, apparently, so the the uh, author of the book that that Greyhound is based on, uh, the author C. S. Forrester, who did the Horatio Hornblower uh, series, other you know naval adventures, he uh, he had come to the United States uh, during during World War Two, and and ended up meeting uh, Roald Dahl, okay. uh, author of Matilda, and getting to know Roald Dahl over in the states. And was apparently one of the one of the prime influences to get Roald Dahl to start writing stories, okay. um, because of just their friendship and all that. So yeah. I just thought it was kind of funny that I had read that, and you mentioned that Stephen Graham uh, is going to be in another adaptation of Matilda. Yeah. Well, I will say this. Uh, I mean, I'm not familiar completely with like I've never read anything by uh, C.S. Forrester. I have read pretty much everything mm-hmm. by Roald Dahl, though. Um, right. and so I'm, like, I'm familiar with the Horatio Hornblower name, but I'm not 100% exactly what that, that series is about. Um, but obviously it was fairly successful and, um, you know, there was like, there's like a whole bunch of other, um, you know, stories that were, the, that yes. he wrote. Um, this, the, the novel of this was, was not called Greyhound, but it was called, uh, The Good Shepherd. Um, yes. Which you know, obviously, I, I'm get, I'm like you know, came out uh, what ten years after the war finished. Um, yeah, I think in '55. Yes, yeah. So it is, it is kind of like um, you know, the, the like the main thrust of it is kind of the same two 
um, you know, as as with the the film, where it's basically just about you know a convoy and them getting through mm-hmm. you know the Mid Atlantic Gap, um, which obviously the film calls the Black Pit to make it seem right. even more dramatic than it is. You've already got like Nazi U boats and a convoy trying to supply food to Great Britain. I don't think you need to like add an extra like putting a hat on top of a hat, isn't it? Really, I mean like, right. um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like. Uh, yeah, like it, it's about like this this one person kind of you know this captain making his debut you know like this is his first time being the captain of the of this kind of escort, um, and I don't. Know. Uh, what do you? What, sorry to interrupt. What do you think about the title, the Good Shepherd, rather than than Greyhound? Like what what which one which one do you think? Having at least seen the movie, knowing a little bit about the character, do you have a preference? I mean, I I think Greyhound works. Um, although obviously it suggests a Greyhound bus, which is a bit confusing. Yeah. And so you think it's going to be about like, I don't know, Tom Hanks taking a bus ride or something. They obviously couldn't have called it the good shepherd because there's already a film that was directed right. by Robert De Niro. Yeah. Robert De Niro. It was like a CIA yeah. kind of the start of the CIA. I mean, I knew Matt Damon was in it, but I didn't realize Robert De Niro directed it. That had kind of left my memory. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm confusing it with the good night and good luck. Like I think came out around the same time. Like this, <laughs> yeah. was this uh, yeah. you know, there were a few films that came out around there starring a lot of famous people um but interestingly the good shepherd uh written by eric roth um who is best known for writing um uh, this well adapting the screenplay for uh, forrest gump um mm-hmm. and also the insider and munich and the curious case of benjamin button and most recently a star is born in june he's got a weird career wow. um but yeah i do like i do like benjamin button and obviously i you know have had to watch forrest gump for this although i saw forrest gump at the cinema so uh, I think that was the first Tom Hanks film that I'd seen at the cinema, actually, Forrest Gump. Um, hmm. And I also saw The Insider at the cinema um, and really enjoyed that as well. It's a great film if people haven't seen it. But, yeah, he also uh, worked on the screenplay for Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Ne- never, ever sure about how the order of those words go. I, I, I think you got yeah. it. Um, and he's currently working on uh, June Part 2. Um, and he most recently wrote Killers of the Flower Moon, which will be Martin Scorsese's next film. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, right for Mark Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Steven Spielberg. Uh, he even wrote Lucky You by Curtis Sanson, which was a notorious box office flop, which I saw at the cinema. Yes, it was. There was nobody else in my screening when I saw that at the cinema. But I bought it on DVD and probably watched it a couple of dozen times. I really love that film. It's, it's a fun film about, like, <laughs> people playing poker. And um, yeah. has it got Drew Barrymore in or am I going crazy? Um, someone's in that. Is that Eric Banner? It is, is Eric Banner, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the original, yeah. yeah, and also Drew Barrymore, but with uh, dark hair. Um, yes, and of course, everyone loves Drew Barrymore. She's a great person, uh, apart from some weird woman on TikTok who criticized her for Dancing in the Rain, and I was like, "Yes, that that was," it, uh, which of course, a uh, very interesting uh, feud. Yeah, but, I mean, considering how quickly things go on TikTok, this will be complete nonsense by the time uh, people <laughs> right. hear it. Um, as yes. will the boy who loves corn. Uh, no one will remember these things. Um, so, yes, during this time of streaming films, we have to ask, who is directing these films? And the answer is people mm. who've pretty much done barely anything. <laughs> um, the director of Finch directed Repo Men and then didn't direct any films for 11 years and then directed Finch. He did a lot of TV in between. Repo Men. Um, was Repo Men the one with was Jude, Jude Law? Law that's that? it. You got it. Was it Jude Law and like maybe Forrest Whitaker? That or is correct. Yeah. You got the film. Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, he he was the showrunner for House of Dragons. He just recently quit after the first season. Okay. He directed the pilot for House of Dragons. So he's going to make a lot of money going forward if that series keeps on going. Yes, Um, for sure. But yeah, so uh, the guy who directed this is Aaron Schneider, um, whose birthday is July 26th, just in case you want to know. Um, 1965. So he's, you know, 
a fairly it's really weird because it's like I think of it as being like reasonably old but it's like I don't know in, in Hollywood that's still kind of young for directing yeah. stuff um, but he directed the pilot episode although just yes? it's at the right age to really be interested in World War Two. yes well yeah this is it I mean this is hardcore dad movies that are going on Ex- this yes. and the next yeah, two yeah. Oh, even Elvis I would say is, is a bit of a dad movie oh absolutely um, but you know obviously Austin Butler is there for the ladies um, so yeah. it's, Tom is basically in his own film in that. It'd be interesting once I get to Elvis and I can talk about that. Um, but yeah, so he he was a uh, like Aaron Schneider was a cinematographer. Uh, he was a cinematographer on Kiss the Girls, uh, which of course was the first attempt to launch a franchise uh, mm. with that character, which then got took over by the um, Morgan Freeman and maybe Ashley Judd movie. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which you, you you wouldn't think there's more than one, but. There's a few of those. I don't know what happened. There was like a period in the late 90s, early 2000s where people were like, yeah, Ashley Judd and Morgan Freeman, we want to see them together in film. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think I saw all their films at the cinema as well. I definitely saw Kiss the Girls at the cinema. Um, he also did Simon Birch uh, as a cinematographer. As a director, he mm. did Get Low, uh, which is a tight, you know, it's a film I've heard the title of, um, but I'm not 100% clear on exactly what that film is. With Robert Duvall, um, who, of course, was also in Lucky You. Um, and Bill Murray and Sissy Spacek. Oh, that might... Bill Murray... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was about somebody either passing away or planning their funeral, or it was about a, a funeral home yeah, I mean, owner, something like it that. It sounds like it might be like a dance film, like Get Served. I mean, like... Or You right. Got Served, yeah. should I say. You Got Served, not Get Served. I mean, Get Served would be like the right. sequel to Get Low. Um, yeah, yeah, so um, th- that was the last film he directed. He hasn't done anything okay. in between in terms of direction, and then he did this. Uh, again, like an 11 year gap. I don't know what's going on with Tom Hanks, where he's like, oh, these people haven't directed something for 11 years. Interestingly, he was the uh, cinematographer on the pilot episode of Supernatural, uh, which obviously hmm. ran for many, 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 many years. Uh, some might say too many years. Uh, but I'm not going to say that because. Probably not, not the people uh, making money off of it. No. Uh, yeah. So he, you know, he hadn't really done a huge amount. Um, but, you know, I think this is. I will say. I no one is pass any judgment, but I would say competent. Uh, you know, yeah. A lot of this is like special effects and stuff, um, and it got nominated for quite a few awards for the visual effects and um, and that kind of stuff. Um, Best sound at the Academy I, Awards, I'm, it got nominated for, uh, didn't win. There were there were a few moments that I think as we move through the story, I could probably point out as having been I thought very effective. Uh, moments with with like good direction yeah I, but i i would say overall i would i would agree very much that it was very competent um there's a lot about the film that i think is admirable in its competency um but there were a couple of standout moments for me that i thought oh this is really uh this is a really lovely touch yeah um it did win the golden reel awards for outstanding achievement in sound editing sound effects and foley for feature film uh that's the only oh, yeah. award that it won uh, good on him yeah i think that if this had come out of the cinema maybe in uh may 2019 as originally planned maybe it would have been lost a little bit in the shuffle um and if yes. it had maybe if they'd uh, it's weird because like they put it out in the. fortunately it was released on apple tv plus where now everyone remembers it and it lives on in, in infamy yes. <laughs> well you say that but the funny thing is Aaron, um on its release uh apple did say that it was like the like the best uh like biggest debut weekend for any program mm. in the platform's history but that is like you know the world what, what is the, the saying the world's tallest midget like uh, yeah. yeah yeah you're you're uh yes i i i totally understand yeah, it's, but that's still yeah. 
I don't want to. I don't want to take away from the achievement of anybody who who uh, made it, contributed it, distributed. Yeah, it. yeah. No, yeah. I, I mean, you know, they got the rights for seventy million. So you know, if that's what it cost for Sony to make, then you know, that was that was a decent amount Terrific. of money for them to get back. Um, but yeah, like like I say, if it had been re- released in twenty nineteen, I think it might have got lost a little bit. If they'd have, the thing is, I think with yeah. this, if they'd have held on to this and they'd have released it like. Uh, when the cinemas kind of started to open up, they might have been able to get some kind of some more Oscar nominations. They might have been able to get something for for some performances or something. Because uh, I think you yeah. know Tom is obviously it's, you know with this and the next two films, they're very much all about Tom Hanks. Like he's very much the center of the films, uh, which is odd because for like The Post and Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, he was mm. like basically taking a hard second billing on those. And yes. just giving up the spotlight. Yes. So it's interesting that Tom was like, oh, no, you know, I've done a couple for other people. Now it's back to it's all Tom all the time now. Uh, and also. Well, but I, I recently I, I listened to uh, your episode on the post. OK. And, and went back and also watched, uh, you know, I was uh, I had seen the movie when it came out and I was watching some clips uh, just like on YouTube. And I think uh, you're absolutely right that Tom is, is in a supporting role, but he's also giving a very like colorful character actor performance and and not not at all as a criticism i just think that he is doing he is making some real uh character choices and is not afraid to be uh sometimes a little bit actorly or or flamboyant with with his character um whereas in this as one of the only people like on on screen for every almost every scene uh he, he is also i think giving a good performance but a decidedly quiet uh, serious kind of muted performance on purpose. I don't. I don't think it's boring, and I don't think he's making bad decisions. But it is not. It, this is not fun. Uh, twinkle in his eye, Tom Hanks. No. Um, we should also say. Uh, you know, obviously, we talked about the novel. We talked about the director. We should also talk about the person who wrote the screenplay, because mm. that is Tom Hanks. He is the one who yes. decided to do an adaptation. Uh, obviously, he's written films before. He wrote. Larry Crown and directed it and produced yes. it and started it. So, um, you know, if you if you can't trust the man who wrote Larry Crown to adapt your screenplay, <laughs> then I I mean I think it's an interesting move because like I'm like it's it's one of those things where there are some actors and I'm you know I'm thinking of maybe a different Hulk than Eric Banner who are notorious mm. for whenever they're in a film they get in there and they like to have a tinker with the screen. Putting their hands all over the screen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and then they maybe like to lock a director or two out of the editing suite and then perhaps take over and make the edit. Look, I'll say this. American History X is is like an amazing film. And I don't know what the director thought he was doing with that film, but there's no way that Eric, like... um, um, uh, Edward Edward Norton. Norton made that film worse. Like, there's absolutely no way, like... Right, I, right, you know, right, right. I, you know, I've heard Tony Kay's ideas of what he wanted the film to end up being, and they sounded a little wacky, if I'm honest. And I think Edward Norton, <laughs> you know, got in the way and made that film really yeah. good. Uh, even though the story is very, like, if you actually break down what the story is, it's a little bit weird. Like, it. And kind of ridiculous. Yeah, but a great performance from Edward Norton. Obviously, yes. a wonderful yeah, actor. Yeah. I can't say there's ever been a thing I haven't enjoyed Edward Norton in, even though, you know, he has a reputation for being difficult. But I'm saying, I don't know why Tom doesn't. Like do that where he like on some of his other films where he didn't like step sure. in and maybe give him a polish. Yeah, go, hey, wait a minute, guys. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. on hologram for the king, you know, no shade on that film, but maybe have Tom step in and tighten things up a little bit and you know yeah. bring his directorial touch. There seems to be some films where he literally is just an actor for hire, and you know, which is you know that like that's his job. But then you know when you when you sure. when you've you know written and directed that thing you do, I feel like you've got enough. 
you know, juice to be able to say, mm, you know, maybe I should just change it a few little things in <laughs> yes, here. Yes, yes, you yes. know. I think it's it's probably safe to say that over the years, Tom Hanks uh, has built up a lot of goodwill in the industry, both uh, for his for his skill and craft, and also for uh, from everything I've heard, just being an incredibly decent fellow. Yeah. With everyone apart from Henry Winkler, Henry Winkler has a beef with Tom <laughs> Hanks. So he's the only that's amazing. He's the only person who doesn't like him. But you know, everyone loves Henry Winkler these days. So, yeah. right, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, and, and of course, like his only controversy, particularly like in recent like years, was some photographers. You know, almost knocked over Rita, and he like got in their way and yelled at them. Like, and literally, right, no yeah. one was on the paparazzi side in that. They were like, just made everybody <laughs> yeah. love Tom even more. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is like the daddiest film that ever daddied. Um, oh my goodness! And in fact, one of the reviews I don't normally like highlight like other people's reviews on the films uh, unless they're kind of you know funny. Um, but one of them it says that uh, what was the review? It says, uh, oh yeah, it's a terse and streamlined dad movie that's shorter than a Sunday afternoon nap and just as exciting. Um, which I and it is I, like bell bell to bell. This thing is like eighty minutes. It's ninety minutes including titles. Oh, yeah. But everything is over by like minute seventy five. So like it is a yeah. it is a, a the rest of it is just like typing on screen, being like you yeah know, yeah congratulations to all who <laughs> helped us whatever. I was like oh, okay, yeah. I guess a few more minutes of that. And we should say before we jump in, uh, a sequel is in production. I I'm like I I think they're Wait. saying without Tom, but I like I don't know if like what is it just the return journey like just in the Greyhound universe? <laughs> yeah, is it just like the Greyhound going back the other way, like? Let's see what's going on over on Eagle. Yeah. I, well, I mean, well, is Eagle the one that sank? Or am I going crazy? It, by, I think... By, I thought... Oh, it might have been. Yeah. I remember Dickie, I think, survived. And yeah, I think Harry and Dickie are the ones that left at the end. To people who haven't seen the film, this oh, just doesn't my make any sense us talking about these Yeah, it's like three, three guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, no, these are all code names for various ships uh, as part of the convoy. Yes. Um, and like I said, yeah, Chet Hanks is in this. So if you don't like Chet Hanks... Maybe don't watch this film because <laughs> he's this. But this is certainly not the um, this is not him at his Chet Hanksiest. Oh, no. Like his performance as Peter Delivery Boy in Larry Crown is is about as, as you know, Chetty as it gets. Um, yes, yes. I think it's interesting as well that yes. this film is not produced by Tom Hanks. It is written, but not produced by Tom mm. Hanks. Uh, like we say, you know, Sony made it and then they sold it off. Um, that's a story that is going to come up a few times in the, <laughs> the next few films yeah. where films were made and then eventually someone was like, uh, it's not going to go to the cinemas. Um, so, you know, let us take you back to uh, 10th of July um, 2020 when Greyhound came out. A mere couple of weeks before my birthday that year. Obviously not a great birthday because, you know. Oh, yeah. A few, few weeks before mine as Lockdown. well. That was, a, that was a bummer. That was a bummer yeah, of a break. Just being hot indoors and not really being able to see anyone. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we start ourselves uh, with being in, the, you know, the North Atlantic, 1942. Um, and we get in text quite a lot. I mean, you know, I would have thought Tom could have skipped some of this. But, like, we... This was a lot <laughs> of text. Yeah, it's like, it's uh, uh, start off with, I was like, I was thinking, oh, I've got to make notes for this. And then it's like, here comes the text. And I was like, I'm going to have to keep pausing this. Oh, to, no, here are the yeah, notes. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep pausing right. this to write all this down. Uh, but yeah, they're talking about the, co the food convoys that come across the Atlantic from America to uh, mm -hmm. to Great Britain. I don't think at this point America were in the war, um, but obviously they were helping. In 42, yeah, yeah. They were obviously helping supply food and so... Uh, you know that basically their only job was to escort other ships they weren't 
you know, they would shoot at the Germans if the Germans shot at them, but they weren't really going out and trying to hunt down German U-boats and sink them or whatever. Um, but yeah, when we have the, the, the part of the Atlantic that is called the Black Pit, uh, which I'm sure in a plane I've flown over, and I had no problems, so I don't know what the big deal was. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're, the convoy... You didn't run out of fuel, no. nobody shot at no, you. No, it was fine, yeah. you know. And then I went over Canada and came back towards New York, a really weird route that they like to <laughs> right. take from London. Uh, but yeah, this convoy is going to Liverpool... Uh, there are 37 troop and supply ships, and there are four warships. Um, not obviously not all American. Uh, two are British, as we said. They are they're known by the call signs um, Harry and is Dicky the British one? No, Harry and Eagle are the other two British ones. And then uh, we have Dicky, which is a Canadian, um, uh, you know, uh, ship as well. So uh, along with Greyhound, what I do like about this though is it <laughs> it says. You know, and also is the ship, and then it goes Greyhound, like the as the like which I <laughs> title yeah, I just up. like I I mean I thought that was a nice touch. I was like that's that's a fun touch to yeah. have like all this text, yeah, and then have it basically crash into the title card telling you who's leading the convoy, and this is the main yeah. ship, and I I just thought that was a nice touch, um, you know, and effectively the vessel is K eight eight zero, um, and we see our captain very briefly, and then we immediately flash back to two months earlier, when. Uh, he was trying to propose to Elizabeth Shue, whose character was Evie. Is it Evie? Um, we don't know his... That sounds yeah, right. Yeah, we don't know his name yet, but he is er- he right. is Commander Ernest Krauss. He's not a captain. I keep calling him a captain, but he's not a captain. Like, he wears a little hat that says captain on it, but he, technically yeah. speaking, he's not a captain, um, like he was in Captain Phillips or Saving Private Ryan. Um, yeah. This being, I think, his third World War Three, uh, World War Two film? World War Three. Let's not hmm. get into that. Uh World well. War Two. The first one where the first one is the weirdest because it was uh, every time we say goodbye, and he played an American stationed with the RAF in the Middle East. <laughs> so it was, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a long walk to get to like a film that really isn't worth watching. Um, and then obviously people know Saving Private Ryan, uh, and then he did Band of Brothers and everything. So you know, yeah. as with many dads of a certain age, he has a fascination with World War Two. Oh sure. Um, uh, a good fascination, one would say, because it's not with the wrong side. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah one one thing I, I wanted to ask you about um, just before before getting into the uh, Elizabeth Shue part. So all of all of the text in the beginning coming up, if I'm if I'm not uh, misremembering a lot of that or at least some of it was communication between like planes, ships or ships to ships like it wasn't just a uh, like opening crawl telling us like one day there was a war or yeah. something like that there was also communication and i was just yeah. kind of looking at it and thinking well this is not bad i don't mind reading a little text that pops up but i'm kind of not sure why it wasn't communicated over radio conversation <laughs> yeah i think this is uh, the thing is they do this later on in the film when because uh, they have like a messenger who he who uh, uh mm-hmm. the captain just keeps mm-hmm. calling him messenger he'll just yell out messenger and this like kid will come in and take a message uh, or he'll write a message down. He'll give it to the messenger and then the messenger will yeah. send it over, um, you know, Morse code with the lights uh, over distance right. and stuff. So I think this is meant to be like the silent communication that's going on between them. OK, well, that yeah, that, that makes yeah. that makes more sense. I guess. I, yeah. I guess so it's not so no one's actually radioing that. each other because obviously they don't, they don't right. want to give their right, location right, right. away. So this is like the Morse code thing of like, you know them communicating where they are and what they're where they're going and like all that kind of stuff is done 
uh, via these lights that they flash off and on, obviously, for them. That is a simple explanation that makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, that's how um, I took it. Should have should have realized that yeah, earlier. Yeah, there's, there's like some communications in the middle of the film and towards the very end of the film where they do the, the same yes. thing, where he yes. writes something down, gives it to the messenger, and then we see him standing next to the light, flapping it off Yeah, the on. light's kind of flapping yeah, on and off, yeah. Yeah, which, I, which I, you know, it always amuses me because it's like, if I, like... You know, I've I've got learnt Morse code like a ton of times, but I can never remember any of it, and I certainly wouldn't know how to like <laughs> communicate it to people. Yeah, um, and the same with like semaphore. I've got a vague idea of some letters in semaphore, but I was like, I could never. I think semaphore is actually easier to understand than, than Morse code because the way that the letters are formed is kind of almost like the way they're written. So, but yeah, it's just it's mm. really like I'm like I would never. Like when you see people on TV and stuff, and they're like they're like listening to Morse code, and they're like, "Oh, he's saying uh, hello." Uh, obviously, never never enough beeps and dots, whatever, to you know, to kind of to decode yeah. it, and they decode it way too quickly because for most Morse code, you should really just be writing it down and then decode it afterwards. <laughs> right, so it's right. just um, yeah, but uh, yeah, he 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 wants to propose to Evie, um, played by Elizabeth Shue, almost age appropriate. Um, I yeah I looked up how when uh, they were both born just to see like is this is this kind of realistic and I thought, yeah, yeah that's fine. like an eight year difference um, yeah so it's no uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and the the permanent twenty uh, four year olds uh, you know it's not that bad um, but yeah so uh, you know she doesn't want him to propose because you know the world is crazy um, you know and obviously he's about you know he's he's like going to be leaving on a ship in a in a couple of months time and mm-hmm. you know so it's kind of understandable. Um, and although not a not a breakup no she's clearly not she's not breaking up with him just no. saying hey maybe now's not the right yeah, time to she's uh, like, propose let's you know, wait as the hun is progressing across europe let's not let's not get into yeah. anything <laughs> let's <laughs> let's see how this turns out let's see what's going on with this right, hitler fellow right um and how that how that's all going to shake out and then once that's done let's you know let's let's kind of i may want to honeymoon in europe <laughs> and uh yeah. and we'll see yeah. which countries are actually available let's, you know let's circle back to this in a few years time and and see yeah. if you know things have been decimated or when the entire world isn't at war <laughs> for the second time yeah although i think it's funny because it kind of makes his character like i don't know i don't want to say stupid but like very american like in the fact that he's thinking of proposing yeah. to someone three years into a world war <laughs> Yeah. When he is, by all accounts, an able-bodied seaman who's going to have to take part in wartime duties. Like, he's basically yes. fitting to make her a widow. And, like, yes. she's like, I don't want to do that. And he's just like, oh, what you... You know, so it's, I, I thought it was kind of funny that, like... Well, the, the the one thing I kind of I thought of that too, uh, and the one thing that maybe uh, this is this was not spelled out very at all at all in the film, but looking at both of them and realizing these are people who are definitely uh, firmly entrenched in middle age, uh, if yeah. not if not kind of going towards the the back end of that. Um, so there was something about that, at least seeing these two people who are a little older than your maybe typical uh, Hollywood romantic lead kind of thing. Seeing them talk about these decisions, I, I felt like maybe there was a certain sense of, if not urgency, at least them going, hey, or, or him saying, if we want to make this happen, nothing's guaranteed let's just go ahead and, and try it out uh and i and i felt like her her response was i understood that side of it i also understood her response of like let's wait until world war Two is over <laughs> yeah um yeah it kind of reminds me a little bit of his character in ithaca who was like a married man who dies and then becomes a ghost and talks to meg ryan and it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like it seems i guess that's his other world war Two, but there's no real he like his character never takes 
like he dies like off screen mm. or whatever so it's not it doesn't feel the same right um but yeah like it's yeah it's just this this idea of like i know it's funny early on in his career tom hanks avoided being cast as a dad because even mm-hmm. though he was like because he knew he looked in the mirror he knew yeah. he knew what people thought well, this of him. is it he's you know he saw himself in turner and hooch in his underwear and he knew he was hot and he you know clearly he, he was <laughs> right. too young to be a dad um so i find it funny that he like he kind of spent so long avoiding that and then the amount of films he's actually been like a like a solid dad in is actually kind oh, yeah. of small like you a lot less than you would think um, right. and you know his appearance but he but he still gives that vibe well yeah so i but i think it's it's like it's odd, like it's odd that you've basically got a man who is like 64 and uh, elizabeth shu who's 56 and they're deciding whether or not they should get married as if they're like two yeah, 20 year olds yeah, yeah. Who've, ju- who've just got out of college like, oh, you crazy kids <laughs> yeah, yeah so I, I i think probably in the book i don't i don't think his character is probably as old as tom hanks is um, because to be honest with you, like I mean, I know like during the Second World War they were like commissioning a lot of people and they were like bringing back yeah. a lot of people who'd fought in the First World War and stuff. But like by '64, like my uh, my great grandfather actually served in both World War One and World War Two, yeah. and he uh, he was he, he received a dishonorable discharge uh, during during World War One. Oh, okay, and then during World War Two was so. Uh, I don't know, just incensed, I guess, that the, <laughs> that the Germans are, you know, would try to take over the world. So he goes, let me back in and, and eventually made his case uh, so effectively that the, the American military was just like, oh, fine, <laughs> you can come back. Like, but don't don't do any of that dishonorable discharge stuff again. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he did not uh, get dishonorably discharged a, a uh, yeah. second that time. Would, that would have been an achievement, war, though, but to, do, to do that twice. That would have been yeah. something. But 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 to your point that yes I think they were they were uh, at some point just going yeah fine if you want to be in the war yeah, we they'll uh, take we anyone I mean they had Jimmy Stewart yeah. flying uh, flying planes and killing yeah, Nazis yeah, yeah. Um, and you know he had a full on wig by that point so um, right. you know like yeah I, I mean I think some of that was a little bit of publicity to you know when actors were like yeah I'll be in the war and they're like yeah sure why sure not? obviously something we'll have to talk about once I get to Elvis um, yeah so right. we we as we start the convoy uh, we find out that uh, Eagle and Harry are slightly out of position. Um, and but there's going to be some enemy contact in about 15 to 20 miles. Um, and Dickie is with them on the starboard side. There you go, everyone. You know where all the ships are. Uh, get used to a lot of that right. because <laughs> this film is 50% the naming of the ships and telling you where they are and yes. how far they are from you. Um, yes, no, no one says uh, left or right uh, a single time they d- in the entire. Do you know what they actually do? There's one point where Tom Hanks no, says, no, come on the he says to, he says to them to re- reassemble on the left side, and I was like. Come on, you're meant to be a military man. Um, On the what side? Yeah, uh, but like the like this film effectively is divided into like kind of. uh, I mean, uh, like halfway through, we suddenly get title cards telling us how far away they are from air cover. Um, Right. Yeah, I found that a little uh, confusing. Yeah, but like Wednesday suddenly happens, and you're like, "Where there? Were we on Tuesday? Did nobody?" And there is no, there is no title card for Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. So, but we're starting out on Tuesday basically, and. Um, you know, we like as as we get going. Obviously, there are U boats around. Um, there's more than one, mm-hmm. but the what we will get to know the one who identifies themselves as the Grey Wolf. Um, the Grey because they are a pack yeah. of wolves and they are hunting. Um, which now, like, I mean, uh, like there's obviously that famous tweet where it's like you don't have to give it to the Nazis. Like you don't have to like oh well you know 
the Nazis, you know, you, you <laughs> right. they might be terrible, but you got to give it to them when they, you know, did this or that. And it's like, no, no, you don't have to give it to them. But I, th- I think that this is a kind of a bit cartoonish. Like I do like Thomas Kretschmann, and I think he's like a really good actor and stuff. Yes. But this whole I- like, the whole idea that the Nazis are out, like, the, their obviously their goal is to sink as many ships as possible. And as the end credits will tell us, they sank a lot of ships. They were very, very effective. Oh yeah, that yeah, was yeah. their job. But the idea that somehow they were taking glee in sinking like these these civilian ships and attacking the enemy is I, I don't know like it it feels like something. Well, it's 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 juxtaposed with the Americans being just doing their job, uh, you know, uh, 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 firing back when attacked or defending when they see another ship in the convoy, and even when they sink a U-boat. They're just kind of like, well done, sir. Back to your post. Uh, we need to make sure that somebody else is safe. We're just out here doing the Lord's work. Versus these these Nazis, like you said, who are calling them over the radio and being like, warriors, <laughs> come out and play. And I was like, this seems a little bit like mustache twirling yeah. villainy. And, and like, uh, even for the bad Yeah, guys. I mean, like, I mean, I enjoy most of this film, but like that bit, I was like, it just like, I understand like it's a better psychological warfare. But it's just like, yes. you know, you don't need to be that cartoonish. You could just tell them, oh, you know, we know your location. We're like, Well, as, as a point in, in, a, in a film that I think is um, the color palette is very muted because they are on a ship. Everybody's wearing a uniform and it's nighttime or rainy all the time. So, like, it is, it's got a pretty muted color palette. I think the score is, for the most part, pretty um, steady. And as you might expect, I did, I did appreciate the... Um, little difference in tone that that kind of taunting gave, especially because you don't meet any of the the Nazi. You you spend no time on the U-boats. No. You don't see who they are. So this kind of disembodied voice of an underwater enemy, I thought was at least, um, it, it added something different to the tone of the film. But in terms of, is this kind of believable? Uh, it, it seems like you're asking me to... Uh, to, to think pretty, pretty, uh, I don't know, th- th- these guys seem so ridiculously evil when they were probably just soldiers doing their job the same way that, that the Americans were on their boats. Yeah. We just know that they were, you know, also the bad guys. I should say as well, the score is by uh, Blake Neely, um, who, you know, has he's done a lot of like TV work mostly, uh, but he did mm-hmm. do a bit of extra composing for them on uh, The Da Vinci Code. Um, and he did start oh, okay. start for ten, which was produced by Playtone. Um, so I think that's probably how, and also the Great Book Howard, you know. So I think that's how he kind of met Tom Hanks and has you know worked with Tom Hanks. He worked on The Pacific, which is obviously produced by Tom Hanks. Um, yes. And you know, he mostly did. Uh, I mean, the thing I know him for mostly is doing the music for The Mentalist, uh, a TV show, which mm. uh, people seem to think is the, uh, was that the Simon Baker. It was uh, yeah, show? I love that show. Yeah, uh, it's like a magician is a detective. Come on, what's not to love about the premise <laughs> right. of that show? Right. Uh, he also viciously murders his nemesis, like towards the end of the show. He like literally like, and the funny thing is, he says early on, when I meet the Red John, which is the you know protagonist, he's like, when 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 the, I the killer, yeah, yeah when I meet Red John, I'm gonna kill him, and everyone's like, yeah, of course you will, and then he literally meets Red John, okay. and he just literally strangles him with his own two bare hands, <laughs> and then walks off. Um, it's really funny. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, but most recently, he's done the Flash and Riverdale. He goes, ta da! Yeah, that's it. He disappears in a puff of smoke. <laughs> Uh, not quite. Right. 
Uh, but most recently, Blake Neely has been doing all the uh, Arrowverse stuff. So he did the music for okay. Arrow and The Flash and uh, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Riverdale. So a lot a lot of experience doing, you know, thematic, heroic, yeah. you know, kind of building tension kind of kind of music. Yeah. And Batwoman. In fact, yeah. So I think basically every single show that he was working on for the CW has <laughs> been cancelled. Um, mm, yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, apart from Riverdale, which is obviously finishing this year, uh, a, a show that is quite literally nuts. Um, but yeah, he did this in between Batwoman and the flight attendant, uh, which obviously is, you know, it's an okay show, you know, it's nothing crazy, but yeah, his score is very, like, it is very muted. Like it's, it's like the, it swells in the right places. It's not, you know, overbearing or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so the convoy is making its way and, uh, you know, we find out that there's a U-boat that's basically in front of them, which I think is Grey Wolf. That's the, uh, no, it's not Grey Wolf because they, they sink it, don't they? So, um, you know, there's a U-boat that they chase. Uh, we get a lot of people yeah. telling them about, you know, which course direction to go in, uh, how close they are, what the range is. We see a lot of people with the radar. We have the wonderful thing that I like on, um, it, like in films like this, where you have the person who's down below on the radar communicating with someone who then sends the message back up like a little tube to the captain. Yes. But it doesn't go directly to captain. It goes to another person who then tells the captain. <laughs> So you right, have this like right. little game of telephone that's going on as they're constantly giving the information back and forth. And I just I just find like obviously you know, a radio to like the radar room would solve those problems later on. But I do like how Oh sure. This is like like there's so many people on deck as well. There's like ten or twenty people on deck all doing different things and you know a, a lot of them are just communicating messages back and forth to other people <laughs> yeah um i also love i also love the fact that like on a ship like this when someone like they got like the little you know the the dial t- to decide the speed and they kind of hold it with both hands and they kind of lean forward you know for full ahead but when they do that all that's doing is sending a little message to a person down below to say they want full ahead who then passes <laughs> right. it on to the engine room so it's not even right. I I just love it I, it's like this is meant to be the thing that makes the ship go faster but it doesn't it just sends a message to the yep. person downstairs who's going to do the thing that makes the ship go faster so uh, but yeah there's a lot of like I mean it's you know it's it's it was shot on um a like a destroyer you know that w- that would have been part of the convoy. It's like it's shot on an actual ship. Most of it, uh, some of it, they shot at sea, like they did with Captain Phillips. Um, yeah, with Captain Phillips, it was cheaper for them to just hire the exact same ship that was kid that was like, and then just like they hired it for like four weeks and they just sailed in circles Terrific. and shot everything, and that was cheaper than them like building sets. Uh, wow. So I, you know, that's a detail that I love about uh, Captain Phillips. Uh, but yeah, so he, you know, the captain, or really a commander, but you know, a captain because he's wearing a little captain's hat. Sure. Um, he, you know, he and isn't that what makes someone a captain? Yeah, after is all. if you're wearing a little hard hat that says C A P T on the front of it, and they right, all call him on. captain as well anyway, don't they? They're, no one's calling him commander. Yes. Even like the, you know, we find out when, at the very end of the film that this is his first, you know, journey in this. But obviously, he, he's yes. he's you know he's worked his way up various other things and he's obviously you know the, you know just a commanding officer so I, I i don't know it feels like maybe he was the only guy who was available to do this journey well that that was a that was an odd i thought that was an odd reveal towards the end and i felt like it would have maybe given some of the other things that happened throughout the film a little bit more weight and tension yeah. if we knew before the last five minutes that he had never uh done this before or been I guess, as far as we know, engaged in these kind of like naval battles. I mean, I, I like, I think the, like he's been on ships, and I'm assuming he's, I'm oh, assuming yeah, yeah, he's yeah. been like an XO on another ship. But the, but yeah. the fact that he's like the commanding officer of this ship is like, you know, Stephen Graham is playing a lieutenant commander who's below him, and then he's the commander. Like, he, I, it feels like they're overqualified for the post that they're in. 
Sure. Um, but yeah, so you know they're chasing they're chasing this U boat and um, you know they they kind of get contact. It's you know seven hundred yards. They're getting closer to it. Uh, you know they drop the depth charges and then you know they obviously hit it and it's sunk and everyone's happy. Um, so you know congratulations to the crew on sinking one U boat. Um, you know, yes. and to show that they've sunk a U boat, somebody gets some paint out and paints a swastika on the wall. Uh, fellas, <laughs> stick to stick stick to a simple tally, just one line down, and then when you get the next one, put a yeah. line next to it. You don't you don't need to yeah. add little like uh, <laughs> arms and a swastika to be like, ah, oh, we finally got like five of them or whatever. Yeah. Like, like, hey, don't no, do that. no, just a simple line will do next time. Um, I should say as well, yeah. like when before we started the the whole convoy, uh, he, you know, we found Ernie or Ernst uh kraus he's got a bit of a german name going on actually so you know he does um, yeah we find him like in his quarters praying before they set off um and yes. then also washing his face and i'm you know considering how gray tom was in the circle and how gray he was in the post and how gray he will be in finch there's a lot of hair dye going on here this is yeah um, he is they they're obviously trying to make his character look a, a lot younger than tom hanks really is because even his skin seems a little bit smoother than it, it should be. Yes. Um, so there's maybe some well, I, I, take, the, take behind the ears uh, going on there. I think the fact that you, the mentioning the uh, mentioning him praying, I think, is is an interesting. It's a it's a good point about his character because I think nothing. Uh, I I don't think anything happened throughout the film that was terribly. Um, yeah, I don't know, preachy for lack of for lack of a better term, yeah. but. We got to see several times that this is a man who, you know, he he's a kind of a devout uh, Christian guy of some denomination. Um, he, there are a couple times where he prays before eating or before attempting to eat. Yeah. I think one of the more effective uh, kind of running jokes of the film is that he keeps getting served food that he uh, doesn't manage to eat throughout this, throughout the entire time. Uh, but he's but he's praying, and there are a couple times also where he, um, I don't know that he says anything about it, but other soldiers uh near him will swear and then apologize to him for uh for using that language yeah. and i'm i'm not sure that could be that could be a protocol thing just with your commanding officer in general i'm not you know super knowledgeable knowledgeable about that but i thought that um if nothing else it also kind of reinforced the idea that he was a uh, even even for this time sort of an old fashioned uh serious man of, of faith and principle yeah I think it's interesting, actually, because for when this is set, if you take it that the character is the same age as Tom Hanks, he would have been born in the 1870s. <laughs> so, well, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. he would have been a little bit old fashioned, probably born. I don't know when. When was slavery abolished in America? Probably actually born while slavery was still allowed, which is why Oof. there's a bit of an exchange, because obviously the person who keeps serving him the food. This is why I brought up the praying thing, because obviously he does it every time the food comes to him. Uh, and obviously, it's yeah. brought to him by uh, what I can't remember what the character's name is. Uh, Cleveland. The character's name was Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. Yes. Um, so obviously, you know, Rob Morgan playing that that part, um, and he keeps bringing him food, bringing him coffee, bring, and each time he'll give him the yes. food, and then it, they'll stop for a few seconds and be silent, and obviously he'll just say a prayer and then say Amen, and then they'll like continue. Um, and you know, obviously, all of the all of the effectively the staff on board are all black. Um, Right, and like yeah, and that was that was interesting to see when Cleveland first comes in to bring him food, and it's all of these all of these soldiers in uniform, and then one black man in a spotless white like uh, serving uniform, and I and I thought like oh this is I mean probably very much true to the time to my eyes yeah looks 
hard. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, the film never really makes, like, a point of it, apart from, obviously, spoiler alert, when Cleveland dies. Uh, and yeah. obviously we see that he had... Unfortunately, off screen, <laughs> and we're just told about it. Yeah. But it... he was one of the few characters who, given a name and a speaking part throughout the film. Yeah, and they kid him And off. then they go, uh, who who died over there? It, uh, these two guys we don't know. And also Cleveland. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Um, and I think is his the body that like struggles to um, go off the side. Yeah, they're like, like they can't quite uh, pour it off the side at first. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like I think that like the film doesn't make any commentary of this, but I think it's just for historical no. ac- accuracy. At this particular time, you know, uh, you know, like if you were on board like a ship like this, then just you know most of the staff were going to be black, like you know, yeah. so it, it's just kind of like a fact. Um, but and obviously, then once America entered the war, then obviously there were also you know black soldiers. A lot of you know, and there's been films made yeah. about them. You know, like like they you know they became you know quite famous in terms you know the different units and stuff like that. So, but yeah, so I don't. My uh, my wife's my wife's grandfather uh, who who had since passed away, but he he was uh, black a black guy African American from the states and served in World War II and had all kinds of stories at that point oh. about. Just the uh, the difference between how he was treated with relative decency in the service and coming back to the states and being treated once again with uh, yeah objective uh, scorn and indecency. Yeah, it is uh, like it's a t- you know it's a te- it's like it's a terrible thing that happened and you know like and it, like I mean obviously in a couple of decades we're gonna be like a hundred years from it but it's still you know like. The, the way that the, the kind of some of the servicemen were treated when they came back just wasn't yeah, really really uh, shameful. Yeah. Um, but I, I, what, but what I like is like it like like we say the film doesn't really make a huge commentary on it, but it also does allow sure. his character to stand out straight away because obviously oh, he's, yeah. he's dressed all in white. He's a black. He's the only black character of prominence. There are a couple of other black characters like below decks uh, that we yeah. see. Um, you, well, he also up until the point where he dies, he is consistently uh, pretty like attentive to the captain and he keeps yeah. coming and saying i know you haven't eaten yet i know you uh you know i was able to find some of the things you liked whatever whatever and it and it, it and it's not like they have some sort of relationship that we're meant to see and go ah these guys are old friends <laughs> but i think it shows you that there is absolutely a mutual respect and the fact that this guy cleveland uh knows what it what it looks like to try and help your your captain because he is not always going to be uh, you know, being careful to eat three square meals a day or something like that. Yeah. So I, th- I think he was in a movie full of competent people trying and and succeeding a lot of times to do their job well. I think he was another one of those people that that clearly uh, knew what to do and did it well. And I think like the first time he serves food, he's like, it's too like the water's too choppy for hot food. Like yes, it just like, yeah, yeah. It, it, just to show that like. You know, like you, you might think, oh, well, you know, the kitchen staff are just going to, you know, make the food up and just serve whatever. But it's like, no, he he knows enough about being at sea that there's no point. There's no point in them like making soup or whatever, because it's it's just, yeah. these these are all experienced. Yeah. And people uh, who, I just thought yeah. that's a nice touch. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a, like it's a very again, it's like a, it's another kind of understated performance from Rob Morgan. Yes. Uh, you know, who in, in everything I've previously seen him in, he's always been a good actor. Um, and you know, like if, if effectively you're going to be like, you know, between him and Stephen Graham, those are the only two kind of real actors who spend like a substantial sure. time kind of like up against Tom Hanks in this film. If you're going to be like with Tom Hanks on screen, um, you know, you've really got to be able to kind of you know act. And I think this is you know, yeah, they both acquit themselves. Yeah, well. I think Rob Morgan does a great job, and Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham's like again, he's like he's he's the opposite. He's like he's 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 doing the same stuff for the captain, but 
you know, from the military point of view, like he's always giving him the information yeah. and, you know, when, when stuff isn't working, he's the one who's kind of like telling people, not telling people off, but, you know, when there's issues with the radar and stuff, he's like, well, can we get it fixed? And like, he's the one trying to get stuff sorted before it becomes an issue for the captain. And, you know, that's obviously the, the role of a good, uh, you know, executive officer is to, is to kind of be yes. anticipating the issues so that they don't become like a burden to the captain. Um, and the two of them had, I think, very nice chemistry. You know, like it's yeah. not like they had tons of time just hanging out with each other. Uh, they're clearly, you know, they're working and busy and fighting. But uh, I think their interactions felt very comfortable. Very, uh, you know, these are these are characters who knew and respected each other to some degree. Yeah. And I thought both actors did a good job. I think all the other all the other guys doing a good job, but really they kind of mm-hmm. blend into just being. It's the same. It's the same problem that we had in um, Dunkirk. Uh, where it's literally just like right, a whole bunch right. of amorphous like young white guys and it's like it's very hard to tell any of them apart yeah um you know which is not their fault but like that's just that's just what the military was in you know in right. the 40s it was just a bunch of white dudes um but yeah so you know we've had our first challenge with the u-boat and then we get our next challenge which is 27 minutes in and we see that the deputica is on fire um and greyhound is going to make the rescue as it always does like as the film goes on we'll find out that um you know eagle harry and dicky are kind of like always escorting the convoy and greyhound is the one that's going to go and you know pick up any problems mm-hmm. um so they're obviously going to go and see if they can uh you know rescue some people from uh the ship um and you know they 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 do some sonar to see if they can figure out who's there uh, you know they go in port as as we all like to do occasionally. You know some of us like starboard, exactly. but in this case, let's go port. Nah, I'm a, I'm a port yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Let, well, the the idea is to put themselves between the U boat and the um the, the merchant ship. ship yeah, right. which is which is currently yeah. being um we you know which is currently being hit. Um, and so we, we like what we end up with is they say they're going to do like a modified zigzag, which considering how long it takes for that ship to turn, I don't know that that's really <laughs> like, I mean, I think <laughs> right. I th- like if, I think it just means as they approach, they're, g- they're not going to do it in a straight line. They're going to kind of gradually drift right, from right. one side to the other. We'll wiggle around a little. Yeah. Bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, um, like Harry and Eagle are both calling in the, the location so that you can get closer to the, the boat and also checking to see if there is a U-boat. Um, but we find out that there is a U-boat behind the convoy uh, getting ready to attack. Um, and it's about two miles away. And this is when they decide to start firing at it. Uh, but the radar is not working yeah. properly. Um, and, you know, as it gets closer, they start fi- they start firing at it. Um, this is not the time where they can't hit it. I think it's the next time where they can't hit it, isn't it? Where it's, it's just below the, the gun line. Um Right, yeah. right. This is this is the time where the uh, the radar is not working and they and the U boat uh, deploys a like a decoy. Yes, yeah. They they well, yeah. This is the thing. So like, obviously, you know, the U boat escapes, uh, but it drops what is known as a Pillenwerfer, uh, which I think is a wonderful. <laughs> right. You know, people say German is not a beautiful language, but come on, that's hilarious, Pillenwerfer, uh, which is basically just like uh, I can't remember. It's like calcium something. Basically, it's just like a little box that's got it in, and when you drop it, it like has a ton of bubbles that re- you know, release hydrogen in it. and it, it, it basically yeah. just like makes it very hard for the radar to focus on what's happening um, and so on the radar it just looks like a big haze and they can't figure out where anything is um, and uh, you know we find out the next day because it's you know that like the, the target's gone so they they continue on with the convoy and they rescue a few people from uh, the ship um, but you know they they the next day on Wednesday we suddenly get a title card that says Wednesday <laughs> again it goes like we haven't had any other days but I was thinking, have we had the other days? No, we haven't. Um, but from now on, we... Especially since the title card comes up in this kind of severe... Yeah. Uh, 
you know, kind of like uh, off white on black. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, whoa, this is kind of ominous that you're telling me now it's Wednesday. And I'm not sure we saw what other day it had been. Yeah, so uh, the U-boat is near again. So the ship goes to red and they're all ahead two thirds uh, so they can try and catch up on it. This is where the captain is offered a sandwich. He prays, but he doesn't eat the sandwich. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, they see they said they're about uh, 2000 in range. But the, the you know, the, the, the freighters are being shot at. Um, and uh, this is kind of the funny bit where they're like firing and they they end up kind of almost shooting the freighters and they have to stop firing right and and like it's like well and then the freighter returns fire the freighter doesn't see them yeah. and fires at the u-boat and they get uh, catch a little bit of friendly yeah fire. so it's yeah it's kind of, it, yeah it's yeah this i think that's where they, they shoot out the 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 glass in the the captain's like porthole yes um yes. yeah but like it's it's kind of like uh, and when I th- is, I mean, does he? I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking obviously a little bit further in the head. But is, uh, does he cut his feet on the glass? Is that the? That I think that's the issue, isn't it? There's a lot of glass about, and I, it, it might yeah. have been. I know later because later on he takes off his shoes, and I wondered if it was just because he had been standing so long I, that he it, has like blisters that are bleeding. Because like one that. of the crew gets shot here, and they get taken away, and then obviously yeah. he calls for replacements to come up from below decks, um, um, and I just thought this is probably where, like, where they'd been caught. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we, he ends up with bloody feet later on. But you know, it might right, be glass, right. might not be glass. Um, Spoiler alert: his uh, his feet yeah, are his bleeding. Feet are bleeding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, which we don't actually get to see. We just see footprints, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. Um, I yes, I thought so know, too. And when there was only one set of footprints, that was when Chet Hayes was, was carrying when, him. You know, yeah. yeah, that's when Eisenhower. Was <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we also get a bit more like kind of um, detail on on like the Pillenverfer and what it is, and you know, the radar guy's like, "It's my fault," and he's like, "It's not your fault." Like, don't blame yourself. You did your job. Like, you know, and Stephen Graham's the same, isn't he? They're both like, no, don't, don't worry yeah. about it. Like, it's not like you were you were doing your job. Don't blame the fact that the Germans have figured out a way to mess up with the radar. Yeah, uh, that that was kind of a nice yeah. touch because the uh, the the uh, the sonar guy explained, you know, my like my cousin or somebody like that was on another boat and told me that the Germans had this, yeah. but I had never seen it before. And then when he says I should have, you know, worked harder, done more, uh, Tom Hanks says, hey, you did a good job write down that information so that we can send it to other ships so other people know to expect what it is we ran yeah. into. And, and also, like, very, make a note you know, of where the decoy is and... so that other people oh, yeah, will yeah, know yeah. what that is when they come past it. Yeah. Because, yeah, he says there's too many propellers. You know, they drop a whole bunch of depth charges. They've been doing that quite a lot in this film, dropping depth charges yeah. left, right, and center, like they're going out of fashion. Um, yeah. We'll obviously find out the consequences of that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, turns out they can go. Out <laughs> yeah, and you know they're pretty much like bell bottoms at this particular time, <laughs> right? Um, which are still in fashion in the navy anyway. So, but you know, um, just reminds me of I saw Star Trek Rafikon, the bell bottoms on those. It's those, on those uniforms. It <laughs> yeah. is. In, it's in like some things. Just yeah, three hundred years of the future, everyone has got the world's largest bell bottoms on their uniforms. Um, yeah, a tanker has been hit though uh in the in this various melee uh so you know they they stop and they go rescue the survivors uh i think they find what four bodies i think they say um and then there's like 28 men rescued um and uh, you know they basically are ready to resume uh you know with the rest of the convoy the convoy keeps traveling on um and you know greyhound basically goes off on little missions and then catches back up to them um uh but we i think is this the point where i think this is where we get the first big taunt from uh gray wolf um yeah i think uh, prior to this we had the scene of the u-boats all kind of surfacing yeah. 
um, to kind of show us who we're up against. Um, you know, and I, and I thought that was a really nice scene. I liked that. It was honestly one of my favorite scenes in the movie because I thought the score started doing some kind of, you know, creepy strings kind of stuff. And, and the, the U-boat surfacing was good. And you saw their scary, you know, images painted on the sides. Yeah. Um, which is true yeah and, so, and I think now we get oh, U-boat, yeah, yeah, the yeah. U-boats which... did used to have like different insignia they would paint on and they would generally be animals um, and they would <laughs> it just reminded I... me of like that Mitchell and Webb sketch you know going like oh, oh, with the bandies yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I, um... I thought it would be so funny if they cut to the U-boat you see Thomas Kretschmann doing all this kind of like you know, like, you know we're coming to kill you we're the grey wolf you can't get us and then two guys next to him being like hold on a second are we the baddies? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. So, but yes, I think this is when you know we've seen that we've seen you know they fought with them, and now after the tanker, yeah, we get that first um, radio message from the from the grave. Yeah. And then he basically says to everyone, "Switch to channel zebra." <laughs> like basically, yeah, don't like, listen to him. Stop yeah, listening. Stop listening to him. <laughs> stop doing that. Stop. Like these guys are mean. Yeah. He's not. He's he's absolutely not going to shut up himself. So we're gonna have to just listen to a different thing. Turn, right. Change the channels. Um. You know, so, but yeah, I, I I think it's it's like it's weird because Thomas Kretschmann does give like so, as I said, kind of a bit of a cartoon performance. So it is kind of funny yeah. to see Tom Hanks with this like the world's most subdued performance playing up against it. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's meant to be the good guy, and so that's why his performance is a bit more subdued. Sure. Um, but yeah, we also get this nice because th- obviously this is you know uh, later on in the day. This is you know later on in Wednesday, and so we get this this nice shot where. Everyone seems to be putting up uh, flares because um, obviously, the, you know, they're, they're like the U-boat, the U-boats are close by. So they're all firing on the, the U-boats. Yeah, a lot of uh, distress flares. Yeah. And so we have the flares that like light up the battle and then the camera mm-hmm. keeps going up above the clouds. Over the clouds. Yeah, and yeah. then we see, uh, indeed, we are in Seymour Skinner's kitchen as it is Aurora Bolias <laughs> uh, at this time yeah. of day. Um, <laughs> at this time of day. <laughs> yeah, in the mid-Atlantic. <laughs> Um, and I just thought that was a nice little kind of like end to this particular scene of like here's you know this all this fighting's going on below but above you just got a, a blanket of clouds and the aurora borealis um, yeah but yeah there's a you know there's a lot of um, you know uh, Dicky and I think Dicky's joined in in the fight with Eagle um, and um, you know when we get to Thursday we find out that basically um there are two ships that have been damaged in the convoy, which, you know, we started with like thirty seven. Um so you know, that's not bad. We're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, but there's two hundred and dead two hundred and ten confirmed dead. Um and then Eagle spots the U boat again and the the you know, the crew break the bad news to the captain. Uh, that they are down to their last six death charges because a pat a pattern yeah. that they run is thirty six charges, and they've literally they're running out of charges basically. Um, uh, so, but there's no time for that because all hands, uh, it's time to intercept the U boat, uh, and this is there's no time for that because this movie runs a tight. 80 <laughs> yeah, we don't have time to dwell on anything. Let's get ourselves the U boat. Uh, the U boat kind of comes up. And it's it's basically under the guns, like the guns they can point down mm-hmm. at such an angle. And the Germans, obviously, right. you know, very good at mathematics. They're like, well, if we're just a like a foot below that, <laughs> you won't be able to shoot us. And so they kind of come up, uh, and yeah. they're they're wasting their ammo, basically just shooting at something they can't hit. But we also have on the other side, we have Dicky, and Dicky is trying to shoot them as well, but can also cannot hit them. They're basically below yeah. the line which is a nice way both just shooting right over yeah and almost shooting each other and in fact you know he has yeah. like the captain has to give a warning to uh dicky because he says we're coming across your bow like 
don't shoot us basically um yeah. so you know they they kind of they, they they're coming around to try and find the u-boat again but the u-boat escapes um you know because you know you can't shoot it so it kind of surfaces surfaces underneath um but as as they were attacking uh, the U-boats did land a hit and they shot the gun turret at the front of Greyhound, uh, which had mm-hmm. a couple of guys in who were doing that thing where they like they turn the little handles really fast <laughs> right, to right. shoot. They spin yeah, the wheel. To shoot the, yeah, to shoot the bullets out. No, bullets are there. They're shells. Uh, to shoot the shells out yeah. of the big the big gun. Um, and while they were doing that, they were obviously hit. It's all on fire. We see people trying to put it out. Um, you know, it looks like Tom Hanks is getting flashbacks to shooting Captain Phillips with all the, the water hoses. Um, <laughs> right. And we find out later on that, you know, there were three wounded and three dead. Um, and a guy who I, I I don't know if this guy was, was he meant to be a priest or not meant to be? A, like he just like he had a priestly manner about him when he was reporting the deaths. So or I don't know if he was meant to be yeah, a doctor. I'm not sure. Of the, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Like it, uh, he had it was a weird scene because like he calls the guy by his first name. And he hasn't literally done that to any other character in the entire <laughs> right, film. Right. So I was like, who? Like, he's only in this one scene. He says there's three dead, and then and and he's like, who died? We get two names, and then we also get George Cleveland because, of course, he was like below deck near the front where the fire was happening. Yeah. Um. And he even asks him, he's like, you know, what was, you know, how bad was it? And they were like, was it yeah. bad? He's like, yeah. <laughs> pretty bad <laughs> yeah they were all mutilated horribly you, you wouldn't want to see him he was like you see uh a, a, a shell exploded <laughs> onto our ship uh so they died in an explosion it wasn't great yeah it didn't come in and tickle them gently to death <laughs> right. yeah. yeah so uh tell me did did the u-boat smother them in their sleep <laughs> No, I'm sorry. It was more of like a uh, naval gun. Yeah, that's that's what it was. Um, so obviously they make the choice that they're going to stop the ship in a little bit and they're going to bury them at sea because they basically... Yeah. It's funny because the guy goes, we haven't got space to store three three dead bodies. Um, well, you said it was because of taking on uh, survivors and I think, yeah. I think uh, from, from, yeah, the from the other ships the previous and possibly ship, yeah. the, uh, they the they idea that they might guys. take on more. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they would... But yeah, I just found it funny where he's like, can't keep these anywhere. Like sorry, yeah. gotta, gotta throw them right into the water. Yeah, yeah, put them on, put them on a stretcher and dump them overboard because we we can't be keeping them on here. Um, shoot them, shoot them at the U boat. <laughs> yeah, they would. That's what they would have wanted. They would have wanted to take a U boat down by being <laughs> right. turned into human cannonballs. Um, but yeah, so you know we're at fifty eight minutes and this is where you know they just they decide to bury the dead. Uh, they stop and you know they you know obviously the religious man that he is the captain says some words. And then we have these three stretchers with uh, flags on and they hold onto the flags and they let the bodies go overboard. And like we said, they have a little bit of trouble getting the last body to go off. Yeah. Cleveland's. Yeah. Cleveland's just kind of edging down a little bit and they, they, they don't want to push it too <laughs> far forward. They have to forward. give it a shake. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah it was a really weird thing. I was like, I don't know why they do. I mean, I guess it's realistic maybe, but I was just like, it's a weird touch to put this in. Um, yeah. You could have not shown us that. Yeah. And then obviously they do the little foldy flag thing where they get a point each and they... You know, but there's no time for yeah. there's no time for folding flags. I'm sorry, this film has only got like 20 minutes left. We can't be folding flags. Right. We've got to get on. And the U-boats, yeah, are back. the U-boats are back, and they've hit the eagle. And you know, the the eagle does the you know the the kind of. Um, I actually I think it's um it's a Polish ship, but the but the the the, the voice is still has a bit of a British accent, and and he's but, like, yeah. yeah, we're doing okay. Don't worry about us. Uh, it turns out they're already starting to list 15 <laughs> degrees, and they took on a lot of water. So don't trust that them, but they they continue on, and we get ourselves to Thursday, um, and uh, this is the point at which, of course, uh, Eagle has to abandon ship, 
Um, and this is where we get, we get the choice where, like, you know, basically they're meant to stay radio silent until they get close enough for air cover. So he has to make a very important choice of do they send out help? Um, and he's like, you know, we need help. And, and Stephen Graham is like, yeah, but help implies the other part. You don't really need to. You, you could just boil it down to one word, maybe. You don't need to send right. so many words like, you know, urgently need help. We don't you like we could drop a couple of those words and just get it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was a nice point of like, yeah, if you're saying help, then the implication is urgency. <laughs> you're saying it during a war yeah. and a mission where everybody knows you're under attack. Yeah, and uh, you're meant to be, get... and you're meant to be radio silent. So if you break that and say help, yeah, yeah. there's going to be a level of urgency that is understood by the Admiralty. Um, so they decide, they make a choice, they send the message. Um, I, I mean, the weird thing is like, like they get a message back, and at first they think it means they're sending reinforcements. But then it turns out that actually it's not that, and they trans they they they, they kind of decode it a bit more, and it says actually this is a new meeting point. So, uh, right. So you're still getting the help, but yeah, but just not when you think. And obviously now you know right. with instead of being as far away from cover as we were, uh, we get to Friday and we're only three hours away from cover. But hey, we're there. This film ain't got time for none of that. There's two pips. No, one starboard, and they're heading towards Greyhound. Uh, they uh, what they do do in this throughout this film is draw nice little pencil sketches of where the boats are so we know and so we see we see there's two boats basically heading in a v pattern directly towards the side of greyhound um and you know this is this is kind of this is the point where we notice that the captain's feet are bloody only because one of the other crew sees the bloody footprints uh, and he requests he says to messenger he says uh can you go get me some slippers uh from earlier he said can you go get my coat um so obviously he's getting comfortable um on the on the deck yeah yeah could you bring me my pipe and a good <laughs> yeah um and this is when gray wolf taunts them again but they they don't engage in that they quickly turn him off um yeah and you know because they want to attack the u-boat um we see this torpedo i i again this is like there's little touches of this a tiny bit cartoony and this torpedo we see it come in like r- running parallel with the ship and is this the torpedo that yeah, bounces and off the side? Yeah. And because they've made a hard turn, uh, because they're trying to come around to meet the U-boat, uh, the torpedo just like grazes the the the, the edge of the the hull and yeah. just bounces off. And I was like, that's a a like a weird thing to do. <laughs> like why have it has no big consequences? Like the torpedo just goes off in a different direction. But I'm like, oh, why not just have it pass parallel? Why not? Like I don't know. Well, th- this was this was also the second time in the film something like that happened because earlier there was that merchant ship that didn't see them in the dark, yeah. and and comes right alongside of them, and they have to have a pretty a pretty strong maneuver to turn the ship so that you get the you get the scene of a much larger ship going like within within spitting distance of the side of Greyhound. Everything's fine. Nobody gets hurt. There's no collision. And so I thought it was kind of funny that they would do that same thing again with the torpedo. And this time the torpedo actually does hit them, but bounces off. It does not explode. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just a weird... But what's funny is, like, apparently, uh, you know, the start of the war, the torpedoes basically just went in one direction. You launched them. Yeah. They got to where they were going. And if they hit it, they exploded on impact. If they didn't, they just kept on going until they basically ran out of speed. And then they just sank yeah. to the bottom of the uh, the sea and then exploded or didn't explode and then divers would blow up later yeah, years yeah. later well this is it yeah unexploded bombs uh, even in london today are a big problem from like the second world war yeah um but in this like later on in the war they actually uh came up with like not heat seeking 
but actually like magnetic seeking missiles. Right. So later on in the war, that torpedo would have stuck to the side because it would have, you know, had a had a sure, big magnet sure. in, and then it would have exploded. Uh, so I don't know if it's just a funny thing to say. Look, you know, torpedoes aren't aren't that threatening or what? But like you're meant to be <laughs> right. like. Sometimes they won't. Yeah, sometimes they just bounce off and they'll go somewhere else, and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I Great. just a weird little kind of touch that they do that. Um, but yeah, and so they keep pursuing the U-boat, um, and then uh, just as we think hope might be lost because obviously they've got no depth charges left, and they're having torpedoes yes. thrown at them left, right, and center, even if they are bouncing off. Uh, suddenly, and they are directly in the sights of of I guess Grey Wolf. Yeah, um, yeah, they can see him right in front. Um, yeah. And we think, okay, this is it. They're going to finally... They do They do start shooting, but they don't really hit anything. Um, and we're like, okay, this is it. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, here comes air cover, and they drop a bunch of bombs, and the U-boat sinks. And you're like, oh, yeah. they didn't even get to kill Grey Wolf. Uh, what an <laughs> odd thing to happen. But okay, okay uh, you know, I'll go with it. Uh, we see a bit of relief as well. Oh, no, actually, actually, earlier, I think they did kill Grey Wolf. They were the... They oh, this is just a different... And sent Grey Wolf, and then there was one of the other U-boats oh, okay. that while while they were defeating their actual, you know, nemesis, then the, the air cover this other in. U-boat yeah. had just lined them up, and that's when the, that's air, when the air cover yeah. comes. Yeah, so they, did, they, they managed to kill Grey Wolf, but then in comes... But there was one more guy. Yeah, and what, what I think is funny is, like, you know... Um, like obviously the captain kind of like relaxes a little bit then um because he's like oh you know send out a message <laughs> you know yeah uh because they're, they're checking to see if there's anything on the radar there's nothing on the radar um you know and and we see that there's a ship off the starboard bear which is the hms diamond uh coming into shot with a little what i like is that, like each time we see a ship it has like a little um on-screen caption telling you which which ship it is so when we see eagle and right. harry and dicky they have their own little identifier and they're not like in the same place they're like offset to where the boats are um and so we you know we see hms diamond and the captain from hms diamond comes on over the the thing and he's like he's he welcomes him he's like he's you know in the most like kind of uh, a stiff upper lip kind of British voice. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, welcome, chaps. Um, you know, he's like, how's it been going? Right. He's like, I hear you've had a bit of a rough go. This, that I thought that was that <laughs> was so funny. Yes, that they would that they would be going through this battle, and then he just comes on going, well, hello, yeah. a rough go of it. I heard you had, and you're like, this is okay. yeah. And he says, you know, we've lost seven ships and we've sunk four U-boats, and he's like, oh, jolly good job. You know, like sinking the the four U-boats. Like he's impressed by that, and I and uh, he's he's like, you know, okay. Um, you know, it, it, like you can you you can go to uh, Londonderry to get fixed up. Um, you know, like you, like you, you don't have to keep escorting. We'll take it from here. Yeah, yeah. You, we, and obviously, it. with uh, Tom Hanks' captain being very American, he's like, no, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna finish out the job. He was like, honestly, I think I'm gonna head on to Germany and try to take care of Hitler <laughs> if you don't mind. Yeah. He's like, no, yeah. no, no, no well, please go to go to. Dairy. I think what's funny is like he's like, yeah, we got we got enough fuel, you know, at a reasonable speed. We can we could, yeah, yeah. and he's like, no, no, I think you're missing the point. The point is, um, you know, Harry and Dicky can't make it, and you're gonna escort right. them. And he goes, ah, oh, no, 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 you misunderstood. That was a command. Yeah, you've you've got to. Go. Yeah, he's like, I wasn't like giving it as a suggestion. Um, <laughs> right. I'm from the Admiralty. I'm higher than you. I'm saying you've got to escort yeah. those two other ships. You know. Uh, that are sinking. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, because we, well, you've lost Eagle, and Harry and Dickie have taken yeah. on a lot of damage. So if you wouldn't mind, 
you know, escort the Canadian and the British vessel. <laughs> we've already lost the poles. We we can't really be doing with losing anymore. So, you know, like, we've got it covered. We'll take the food, you know, to where it needs to get to. You take them to Derry. Um, and I think, obviously, he then gets it. He understands what they're saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, you've got no choice. Um, so he sends a message to, you know, the other ships and everything. Um, uh, so, yeah, he sends a message to the other ships and they're like, OK, you know, we're going to go on to Derry. Can you join us You know, on the way to Derry? Um, and then, of course, he finally um, goes back down to his cabin. Uh, but we see him do his routine from the start of the film where he like washes his face. Uh, he kneels next to his bed ready to pray. And obviously he's ready to kind of like finally, uh, you know, go to sleep. Um, you know, he's 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 fulfilled his task. 76 minutes into the film <laughs> you right. know he's he, he realizes we've pretty much reached the point of a runtime where you can call this a feature film and so he's gonna go to sleep and uh, you know takes take some rest finally um, but it's kind of funny because we like follow him down from the deck as he like hobbles down and he gives the con over to like you know one of the other officers um, and you know what, what, before he goes below decks he hears a noise outside and it is the passengers on one of the other convoys they've all come out on decks mm-hmm. and they're all cheering and they're you know thanking them for having escorted them and obviously as he stares at you know these passengers um tom you know being a great actor he you know sheds a tear um and i thought that was a nice moment yeah it's very understated yeah, you know like he he understand like you know they they obviously are grateful for being protected you know they lost a few ships but they still most of them got there and yeah. you know obviously like without people having to come and congratulate him he kind of just stands on the deck and uh, acknowledges that you know obviously those are the that's the reason why he's doing this like you know the yeah. whole being taunted by a u-boat captain is fun and everything uh, but the real purpose is to get the supplies to where they need to go and uh, yes. you know that was the point of the convoy uh, and so he goes to sleep and um as we repeat the you know the opening we get some more text telling us that um, you know the Nazis managed to sink three and a half thousand ships, and seventy-two thousand people drowned yeah. or died at yeah. sea. Well, they say seventy-two thousand two hundred souls were lost at sea, which uh, is right. like, yeah, that's a polite way of saying some of them were in a ship and they got shot and it sank and they drowned right, to death right, right. whilst it was going to the bottom of the sea. Yeah, like, yeah. or they were tipped over the edge um, by a captain who sure. you know want, had to bury them at sea. But yeah, but you know, exactly. we already know that they lost a couple of hundred people. Um, you know, because like halfway through, they'd already lost that. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a stand. It's re- what's really weird is it's like this basically was going on for like six years of like ships going across the Atlantic like this in convoys. Oh my goodness! Every yeah. single day, like these gigantic fleets, and you know, the like what's weird is like the U-boats were built. I mean, like U-boat U-boats just a generic term for a submarine basically but you know the german the german submarines were built for the purpose of sinking those boats that was like right. the start like the start of the the you know they had u-boats during first world war but during the second world war their manufacture of u-boats was almost exclusively for them to be deployed to the atlantic to go and sink supply ships that was their purpose and it's kind of insane that like i don't know those rascals yeah, you know yeah. that's that's really i'm starting to get the impression here Aaron, that the nazis were not good people uh, not no. no yeah not but not, not but I, I like to me it's like you know to be part of the like the nazi command and think yeah what we've got to do is we've got to cut off supply of food to a country so we need to start building hundreds of submarines so we can go and right. sink all these boats it's just like 
We got to make sure these people don't get any food. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a you know, it's not like an accident like it's not an accident of war. That's a deliberate strategy. Um oh, yeah, and absolutely. that's that's what they built them for and it's it, like it's just kind of crazy that like that was um that was what they did. But yeah, and it's weird cuz like in this particular like fictional convoy, they lose seven boats and they sunk four U-boats. So it's like the Ger- like the Germans are still kind of up at the end of the day like they managed yeah, to sink yeah, yeah. more than got sunk so you know uh yeah so i, I don't know it's it's, it's like the kind of the numbers are standing at the end you're like this is just crazy that that many people um you know died like getting food to britain um well not that that wasn't uh yeah this is this is real those are real facts and numbers but it is also kind of an odd downbeat ending for this film since the film is about how they ultimately were able to get the convoy to safety and then and then for it yeah. to still end on like and 72,000 people were killed at sea and we're like oh boy all right well thanks movie yeah and we also get the reveal of course when the when the british guy comes on the on the thing where he's like you know how many times you've done this and he's like this is my first <laughs> my first time right and again yeah that would have been a detail that if we'd have known near the start like if if the XO had said to him, you know, like, oh, you know, this is, don't worry, this is your first time, but I've done it, like, you know, 50 times or whatever. Like, uh, like there's yeah. a reason that there's a, like, that Stephen Graham isn't isn't putting on, like, a, you know, an American accent. He's clearly British. He's clearly meant to be there because he's part, you know, he's he's representing the country where this food and the convoy is going to. No, I think Stephen Graham is putting on an American Is he? Accent. Maybe he's just not very yeah, good at he, it, so I just kept hearing his natural. I think he's doing like a like a Brooklyn kind of oh, accent. Was he? Oh, mate, I, well, I, I, if he was trying, I didn't really pick up on it. It sounded to me like he was doing, <laughs> he was just doing his normal voice, but with a, a bit of a, a kind of a, a different twang to it. Maybe that was meant to be American, but yeah, I don't think he fully succeeded in that particular thing. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe but not. Uh, yeah, no, like, the, but like, if they'd have had him, like, oh, I've done this before, and then reassured him and then a lot of the stuff that happens yeah. would have been had a bit more of an impact like losing cleveland would have been worse because this is the first time he's doing this type of sure, mission sure but instead it's like a weird little reveal at the end where we get the guy coming on yeah i do like, I, I wish that they had told us a little earlier that could have easily been part of a conversation that would have just kind of raised the stakes yeah even just the stakes for like him even knowing what the captain is going through internally uh, I think would have would have made kind of increased the tension a little bit. Yeah, instead of having a guy come on the phone and go, "Oh, jolly good show," and that, like, <laughs> like that's the guy that you use to reveal this detail anyway. <laughs> right. You know, maybe maybe give give the script one more pass next time, Tom. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, that's where we end. We end like you say on a very downbeat thing where it tell you know tells us about some stats from the Battle of the Atlantic, and I'm like, okay, um, uh, but yeah. Um, it, I don't know. Just a, a weird way to end this. Uh, like I say, apparently a sequel is is going to be is going into production, um, and I I don't know what that will involve. But you know that will be for Apple to fund, and I'm sure it'll come out and nobody will notice, and then it'll go away. It's where uh, a, another captain has to fight uh, seventy two thousand ghosts. <laughs> yeah, all the yeah all the people who have died previously come back. Yeah, uh, it's it's about a bunch yeah. of zombie Nazis. Um, I, yeah, right, yeah. right. I mean, you know, I mean, eventually the Nazis did go on to compete in a lot of surfing competitions, from what I understand. Um, That's but true. Unfortunately, they had to yeah, die. They, they had their they had their uh, fingers in a lot of pots. yeah, yeah. Really, uh, really branched out. They were like, you know, yeah. killing people is not just what we do. We also surf. 
Um, also surfing. Yeah. So that's a reference to surf Nazis must die. If nobody, if people are listening and yes. not getting the reference, <laughs> in case you're thinking, I somehow I thought the Nazis went into surfing. They didn't. Right. But most of right. them went into hiding or NASA. Uh, most of them went into Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or the American space program. Those are the two places that they generally. Well, exactly. Exactly. I'm sure we'll find out more next year when we see Oppenheimer. Um, oh man. So sure that will yeah. shed some light onto that. So. Uh, on this podcast, we only have two ratings, and they are T Hanks or no T Hanks. Uh, so I'm going to say, Erin, what is your thoughts on Greyhound in terms of, you know, T Hanks or no T Hanks? Um, I I am going to give this uh, maybe like a, a qualified T Hanks. You know, I I, th- I think that there are there are better movies that he's been in. There are better movies about World War Two. There are better World War Two movies uh, with Tom Hanks in them. However. This was a tight, efficiently made movie that despite a, a few creative choices that I think maybe didn't hurt the film, but if they had, if they had gone a, a slightly different direction, it might have improved the film. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he does. He, he, gives a, he gives a good, subdued performance that still had enough, you know, uh, character and charisma to it. Uh, a few of the other actors, I think, acquitted themselves well. Um, and I, and I think that some of the naval uh, battle scenes that normally I don't find that terribly interesting, like visually, I thought this this movie managed to uh, to, to make them sufficiently exciting and tense. So, yeah, th- this was this was certainly not a uh, not a bad movie. And I, I give it a I give it a T hex. I think it's interesting because obviously, you know, there's a lot of times, like you say, you know, there's you know, there's a lot of numbers being thrown around in this thing, a lot of different degrees that they're heading, a lot of different yards that they're you know the enemy is and <laughs> yes and i think there are a few times where they do kind of like they they cut to like an overhead shot and you see oh there is the u-boat there is the greyhound turning towards this and then yeah. here's another boat over here and so it's like oh i know exactly where everybody is and then when they cut back inside or you get to see the uh, the stripe of the of the torpedo under the water yeah kind of thing. yeah so there's a lot of stuff for, that for, for perspective and makes context. it easy to follow the battles um so that mm-hmm. was good i will again say t hanks but you know as with i think everybody knows at this point post um you know catch me if you can it's a film i'm probably never going to watch again even though it is like a trim 80 minutes um you know like once you once you've seen it you've kind of got the point some u-boats are following them they sink the u-boats congratulations like you know if there was something like and tom like we say tom's performance is very subdued and i feel like you know the the director wants it to be a bit more like the the, you know the like at the end i was a little bit touched about you know he's he's there crying you know obviously realizing you know what he's lost but also why he's doing this and you're like oh that's a nice moment uh but i just don't i I don't think like like you say cleveland dies off off screen we've got the budget here let's see the explosion let's see the explosion from inside let's see him be injured let's see his dying breath and and you know uh like that get conveyed to the captain later on you know his final words whatever they were like probably eat a sandwich um you know like let's have let's have let's have something so that that character gets a bit something a bit more meaty like having everything set on the deck and this wasn't even shot during covid time so they haven't got that excuse which right you know, the, right the right, next right. couple of films at least have that excuse when it comes to the you know the small cast and and the way people are constantly outside uh quite quite far bet, distance bet, from each I other i bet a month fr- a month from now if if you said do you remember that movie greyhound where the only two actors in it were stephen graham and tom hanks i would probably be like yeah i think i do remember they were the only two actors in it yeah. and i you know like and and that is not the case it's just that uh, you know there was a lot about this that felt 
yeah, kind of kind of small, small in, in scale, uh, you know, not a lot of sets, not a lot of, yeah, even even, even some of the other characters, like you mentioned, Cleveland dies off screen. And I think the whole thing has a feeling of it that's kind of, kind of a subtle. And I small. think it's funny because like, um, the, like the, the, stu- the, produ- the, like the production studio that is responsible for this is one that I've seen a lot of films by in recent years. And it's stage six films. I'm sure you're familiar with their logo. Mm. Look, yes. Looks yes. like a, stage but the word stage has got a bit of perspective on it um and you know like i don't don't know why but like in recent years i've seen like a lot of films that they did and i'm used to seeing that logo but when i see that logo it makes me think that they shot it all inside a studio like they shot like it's called stage six because everything was shot on stage six it's all on sound stage yeah and 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 so it all it almost immediately makes me think oh this like there's some good films from them like i enjoyed searching that's a great film if anyone hasn't seen it uh or searching dot 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 as it was you know on the posters like that's a wonderful film but there's a lot of films that they've produced over the last kind of 10 years that i've seen the cinema that feel really small and they feel like they were shot inside a couple of stand stages and that's what this feels like as well there's some stuff outside where clearly they were on the boat and they were splashing water up the side of it or whatever but there's a lot of stuff that's like on this deck that's got a lot of light coming in but there's no there's no definition in that light it's just literally right. like huge like you know huge key lights that are like you know two miles away or whatever making it look like it's the sun and it's all a bit washed out and it's like kind of think oh yeah like they've they've got the scale of the ships and obviously the the when you see the fleet at the start it's kind of impressive just to see all these ships in the sea but we never yeah. really kind of get that scale again like all the fights are very much like one ship next to another ship shooting at it well, and we never go on to any of the other ships no, not no, only no. do we not yeah. see inside the u-boats but we also don't spend any time we don't see an explosion on the other ship from their perspective no. we don't see, it's all from the perspective of of the greyhound yeah. and their and crew. it makes it feel a little bit small and it's like i understand that this is meant to be just this is just one convoy journey out of thousands that right. took place um, and you know this is meant to be kind of indicative of like the the fight that was going on, but it's like it just feels a little bit kind of too understated, and it looks like you were expecting Tom Hanks and his gigantic head on the poster to cover most of the emotion and yeah. bring and bring the audience with them. Uh, and I, the thing is, I think if this had gone to cinemas, I think it would have done quite well because it you know it's a short film for a start, so you can play it a lot of times during the day. Yeah. But I think this would have brought in the crowd. That I think the next kind of two films, even Elvis, actually, if I'm honest, when I saw Elvis. A lot of people with white hair in that cinema, um, and I think there's like right. an yes, older yes, audience yeah, that Tom Hanks now attracts that I that I think, I think so he would have brought to this film, and they, it would have made it a big, you know, a medium sized hit. And I think the same would have been true of News of the World and also Finch. Like there's there's very yeah. much like an audience who will now go and see a Tom Hanks film, and 75 percent of them were who were going to see Elvis, um, and uh, you know the remaining 25 percent were there for Austin Butler and his swiveling hips. Um, yeah. but, and I think I think it's it, like I I make light of it and you know I make a joke of it in some of the the podcasts. But the AARP movies for grownups, increasingly Tom Hanks is getting a lot of nominations. Oh, absolutely! You know from them because that is his core audience now. Um, and yeah, so I mean you know it's a T Hanks, but like I said, probably never ever going to watch this ever again. <laughs> and I I, I yeah. doubt I will either, but but I'm certainly not uh, upset about having watched yeah. it. Yeah, and time. I would say this: if somebody's like, "Oh, you know, what's this film? It's got Tom Hanks in. Should I watch it?" You know, people, I, you know, at this point know me for watching Tom Hanks films. I would say, "Yeah, you, you know, watch it. It's basically 80 minutes. So, you know, what's that? Uh, half an episode of Stranger Things season four? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, 
you know, it's not it's not like it's a complete waste of your time. Like it's well enough done. No, it's the kind of movie where if you if you see the poster or the trailer and you think, I bet I'd like that well enough, I think you yeah. will. Um, so I think that's about as much as anybody in the entire world is ever going to say about Greyhound. Yes, I. Uh, so let's move on to plugs. <laughs> is there anything that you wish to plug? You know what? Not not really. I have I have some things, uh, some different projects in the works. None of them uh, are at a point where plugging them would help very much. So maybe uh, sometime later, I, I'd love to come back and talk to you again, and maybe then I will have some plugs for you. Okay. Well, you can find us on Twitter at the extremely uh, awkward t underscore ft memory. Uh, thanks for joining me to talk about Greyhound here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great. I really I enjoyed being able to talk about Greyhound, uh, a movie that talking about it was at least as much fun as watching it if not slightly more so exactly. uh, obviously this film gave us the news about world war ii but the next one is going to go even bigger and give us the news of the world <laughs>